Psalm 139, and we'll read the whole psalm. For the director of music of David, a psalm. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Summer in the Psalms. It sounds a bit like a stroll in the park or going to the beach, doesn't it? But uh, we're going to find as we go through life that Life isn't exactly a stroll in the park and there are things that happen and things that we must face and encounter that are a deep challenge to us. This, this psalm is uh, a terrific one for just considering a God who knows all about us. Some of you may have heard of the godly American Reformed theologian Dr R.C. Sproul. Um, he's, he operated uh, Ligonier Ministries for many years. He set it up and uh, functioned through St Andrew's Chapel. He preached thousands of sermons and wrote scores of godly, enriching books. Well, just before Christmas, he became suddenly unwell and died. Not long before, on his website, he had published... A, 
a question that someone had asked him, and the question was this. It was a question from a friend. It said, what would you say is the big idea of the Christian life? What's the big idea? His friend was interested in the overarching ultimate goal of the Christian life. And this was R.C.'s answer. The big idea of the Christian life is Coram Dio. Coram Dio is Latin for before the face of God. This phrase refers to everything taking place in the presence of or before the face of God. Coram Dio captures the essence of living as a Christian in the world. And he went on to explain, he said this, To live Coram Dio is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. To live in the presence of God is to understand that whatever we are doing and wherever we are doing it, we are acting under the gaze of God. It is a life that is humble and open before God. It is a life in which all that is done is done as to the Lord. It is a life lived by principle, not expediency, by humility before God, not defiance. It is a life lived under the tutelage, the tutorship of conscience that is held captive by the word of God. That's the big idea. Next to this idea, all other goals and ambitions become mere trifles. Well, Psalm 139 vividly describes this idea of Coram Dio, but it obviously doesn't use the word. Cain discovered Coram Dio when the Lord challenged him and said, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. He couldn't hide from God what he'd done. David discovered Coram Dio when the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to deal with his secret sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Nathaniel discovered Coram Dio when Jesus told him, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And he's, he's just gobsmacked. How, how did you know this? You must be the Messiah. At some point, All of us have to realise that God sees and knows everything we do. Nothing can be hidden from him. And if you like, Psalm 139 is like David's extended meditation on this concept of Coram Dio, living before the presence of God. That nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So my aim today is to motivate us from Psalm 139 to embrace Coram Dio as a way of life. So that we can live exuberantly in the confidence the Lord knows and cares for us superbly well in all our circumstances, throughout all our life, that we can trust him. We definitely need God's help if we're going to achieve that goal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in utter dependence, humbly relying on you to open the eyes of our hearts
to treasure the treasures in your word. Please help us put what we learn today into practice so that we magnify your glorious name in this world. We pray this through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Psalm 139 is, is essentially a hymn of praise to God, the God who is all-wise, all-knowing, ever-present, a God from whom nothing is hidden. It is not written in theological abstractions, but in terms of personal experience. Look at the terms that are used here. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. These are not abstract theological terms. It's it's expressed in terms of lived out daily experience, recognising that God is with us day by day in all that we do. It's a a psalm that, that a child can understand. It's, it's a psalm that is easy to cotton on to what it's getting at, but it's much harder to live it out. To, it's a deep, deep challenge to us to accept the fact that God knows everything about us and to embrace that fact and live with it rather than try and run against it. Notice that if you look at the psalm, it, basically the majority of it is praise to God, but the last section, verses 19 to 24, have some petitions or requests, and it arises obviously out of some kind of conflict that David was encountering from verse 19. If, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. That's some statement, isn't it? Away from me, you are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? So something deep is going on in David's life. He's encountering some issues. And it involves people attacking him and attacking his God. And it deeply, deeply concerns David to the point where he's penned this psalm. But probably, unlike us, he doesn't just cut to the chase and start saying, Lord, rain fire and brimstone on my enemies. They're your enemies too. Deal with them. He basically spends three quarters of the psalm praising God. What David is doing is he's reminding himself of who he is praying to. He's allowing the reality of the God who knows the circumstances that he's encountering to filter through into his conscious awareness that this God understands what he's facing. This God cares for him in all that he's going through. So he, he refers to the Lord in beloved terms, in affectionate terms, and he, and he praises God. Look at the sorts of things he says about God, and you see there's, if you like, a natural grouping of, of six verses. Verses 1 to 6, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. The key word, the big idea that comes out here is that God knows everything. The theological term is God is omniscient. 
He knows all things. But David doesn't use that word, but he describes that concept. So you've searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. That can be a scary thought. The Lord knows when we're getting the car, where we're driving to. The Lord knows if, if we're on the loo. The Lord knows everything about us. When we sit down, when we rise up, there's nothing that's hidden from God. Nothing. He says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You, you know when we head off to work in the morning. You know when we come back at night. You know what time we go to bed. Lord, you know everything about us. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David's, the more he thinks about this, he comes to the conclusion, he says, this boggles my mind. I can't get over this. This this is vastly beyond me. This God that I'm praying to understands my circumstances I'm having difficulty comprehending how magnificent he must really be because I can't match that. I don't know the number of hairs on my head. He does. I don't know the number of days for my life. He does. He knows everything about me and everything about my enemies, everything about everyone on the planet. So... This, this idea of God's om, omniscience, his, his understanding and knowing all things is the big idea. And, and the very fact that David begins with focusing upon the character of God's, an attribute of his nature, and praising him for it can be a real challenge to us. Because we're so quick to skip over that and cut to the chase of what's bothering us in our prayers. How often do you and I, when we, when we pray, rush to get to the point of what we think is important? We've got a problem. Lord, help me. Lord, you know. Guide me. Help me to get through this. And we just... Cut straight to what is on our heart. David is a deep, deep challenge to us to say, whoa, 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 whoa here. Let's slow down and let's look at the God to whom we're praying and recognise that before there's even a thought on my tongue, before I even pray this prayer, he knows it all together. He knows all about my life. He knows exactly what I'm facing. And already you can probably start to feel yourself breathing a little bit more easy. God is with us. He knows and he understands. I wonder how many of us actually talk about this God together, about the nature of our God. In the second last chapter of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, there's a verse that I find deeply challenging. And it helps us see why this ought to be a precious thought to us that God knows all about us. Malachi 3.16. Just think of John 3.16. Well, it's Malachi 3.16. 
Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. So the Lord's listening to our conversation. That's, that's an implication of living Coram Dio, that he is witness to the words that come out of our mouth. Since Christmas, I've been rereading Pilgrim's Progress and thoroughly enjoying it. I don't know why I've left it so many years to reread it. And I've been struck by the soul-enriching conversations which Christian and faithful share together as they journey toward the celestial city. They talk about who they've met and what they've learned so far in their pilgrimage and they seek to build each other up in the knowledge of God. I find myself being constantly enlightened and challenged by their insights. This is the kind of talk that God keeps records about. God sees, he's a witness. And the Lord listened and heard and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. Many years ago, our family holidayed with another family at Coles Bay. I well remember the spiritual conversation I enjoyed with the other father of the other family as we trekked up and over into Wineglass Bay. It was sweet to our hearts and to our minds and to our spirits and it made us both more conscious of God that he is with us through everything. I've never forgotten that conversation. And Whenever I think of Malachi 3.16, I think of that sweet, sweet conversation. J.I. Packer urges us to value this kind of communion with God more. He says, when Christians meet, they talk to each other about their Christian work and Christian interests, their Christian acquaintances, the state of the churches and the problems of theology, but rarely of their daily experience of God. Modern Christian books and magazines contain much about Christian doctrine, Christian standards, problems of Christian conduct, techniques of Christian service, but little about the inner realities of fellowship with God. Our sermons contain much sound doctrine, but little relating to the converse between the soul and the saviour. We do not spend much time alone or together in dwelling on the wonder of the fact that God and sinners even have communion at all. No, we just take that for granted and give our minds to other matters. Thus we make it plain that communion with God is a small thing to us. It wasn't a small thing to David. David focuses upon his God and he wants the world to know about this God and he shares the overflow of his heart in this psalm as he praises a God who knows everything about him. John Piper, in A Hunger for God, presses this point home too. He says, think about it. Where are the passionate conversations today about communing with God? So what about the big idea that God knows all things? If we truly believe he's omniscient, why don't we rely on his perfect knowledge of us and our circumstances more, just like David did? Did it occur to you this morning... That 
to thank the Lord ahead of time for the fact that he would know everything you say and do before this service, during this service and after this service? That he would be the witness of everything that you talk about? He'll know if you're just chatting on about the footy or whether there's the inner desire within your heart to to praise God and to talk about the things of God and have fellowship over those things. He knows what's uppermost in your mind, whether it's the Australian Open starting tomorrow or whether it's the magnificent playing out of a great God who cares about us, who's been doing his work from the beginning of creation, who's following through today and unto eternity. What's the big idea? Do you think he'll be delighted enough with your conversations today to write it down in his scroll? Does this possibility interest you enough to ask God to help you to lift your game when it comes to what you discuss with others and to thank him for being with you through thick and thin in life? Will you aspire to seize today and every day to live your life coram Dio before the face of God? To actually take it on board and recognise the Lord is with me. He knows everything anyway. Adam and Eve tried to hide and they couldn't. Cain tried to hide and he couldn't. Darkness can't hide us. God's with us. Let's live in the presence of God. Let's live in the face of God. Let's open our hearts to God. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. But I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share about my God. If the big idea in verses 1 to 6 is God knows all things because he's omniscient, then the big idea in verses 7 to 12 is that God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Where can I flee from your presence? Up to the heavens, you're there. In the depths, Sheol, you're there. If I go east, you know, that's the dawn. Or west, the sea. Think of Israel. What's west of Israel? The Mediterranean Sea. So he's saying whether I go the wings of the dawn or whether I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, east or west... God's with me. Even there your hand will guide me. The darkness cannot hide me, for darkness is as light to you. The first implication of this is that we cannot ever be lost from God. Let me illustrate this. Not long long after we moved to Tassie from Queensland, we took our first trip to Hobart. We stopped at Sandy Bay Supermarket for some reason or other to buy a few things. We didn't know where things were. Some of the packaging was quite different. It was labelled differently, different names. We'd never heard of Savoy biscuits. We're used to Jats biscuits and things were different. And we weren't sure. We'd never been to Hobart before and we'd never been to this particular shopping centre before. We've got four children at that stage. Matthew hadn't arrived on the scene. And we're trying to shop in these circumstances. After a while, we realised our 22-month-old daughter, Laura, wasn't with us. Robert and I and the other children set off up aisles and looking out, Laura, 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 all around. No, Laura. 
I went outside to scan the car park, look in adjoining stores. No, Laura. Deep, terrifying panic took hold as all sorts of thoughts began to race through our minds. What if she's been abducted? Where is she? We don't know anyone in Hobart. Where do we go? What should we do? We reported her missing at the information desk. And straight away they sent out a description over the, uh, you know, the store speaker system. And only those who've been in a similar situation would know how a parent feels in that situation. After about 10 minutes, but it seemed like 10 hours... To our huge relief, a store employee eventually brought Laura to the information desk. As far as I can remember, I think she'd somehow wandered off into the rear storage area through the doors where it says no access. And she was hidden from our sight. But God knew exactly where Laura was. According to this psalm, Laura was Coram Dio all along before the face of God. He knew precisely where she was. He knew every fearful thought going through her mind and ours and that she would be returned to us safely. Amidst inner turmoil, this fact alone has the potential to bring more than a little bit of comfort. And this was precisely David's focus as he faced his own trying circumstances. He took the time to recount what he knew about God and he turned it into a psalm of praise so that others like us here today could take heart that we need never be swallowed up by fear or consumed with worry. If we're truly convinced the Lord is with us, if we're truly convinced he knows the number of hairs on our head, the number of days in our life, if we're truly convinced he knows the number of days for us before uh, we actually were born and he knows everywhere we go when we sit and rise, if he knows to that extent, then he must understand our present circumstances. He must comprehend what's going through in our inner being. No evil actions can thwart his all-wise purposes. We can pray with confidence, give us this day our daily bread. And from the rising of the sun to its setting, his name is to be praised. So this big idea of God knows all things, God's with us through every circumstance of life, he's everywhere present, And it takes us to this vital place of interest in knowing everything about us because he created us. And that's what David focuses on next, that God knows us because he created us. He cares for us because he created us. Look at verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How precious. Our parents may be with us at our birth, 
but God is with us in the womb. Our parents may be with us when we first come into the world. God knows all about us before we come into the world. Our parents won't be able to be with us through every circumstance of life. We found out that at Sandy Bay Supermarket. God will never leave nor forsake his people. He cares about us. So this is a very, very precious encouragement. God gazes on us and knows us perfectly in the womb. He knows us better than any scanning machine that, that, that you know, mums go through as part of their scans for various weeks of pregnancy. It's he who made us so fearfully and wonderfully well. And he writes our life story before we've even drawn a breath. This is our God. David is reminding himself of this. He's saying, wow. Lord, whatever I'm facing now, if you know me to that extent before I even came into the world, that I'm sure I can trust you. I'm sure you must care about me. Coram Dio extends back into the womb. And even before we were conceived, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do we believe this? To what extent does this shape our Christian living? To what extent do we take it on board? This makes life in utero very precious. God knows his children from conception and pays special attention to their formation. We're not accidents of nature, but his creatures, designed with an eternal destiny in mind. All who would contemplate terminating an unborn child would do well to read Psalm 139 and its Coram Deo message. Those whom God has joined in utero, let not man terminate. David casts his thoughts back to the womb before he could think any thoughts and it was Coram Dio before the face of God. He then attempts to cast his mind right onto the magnificent creator himself and it just boggles his mind. It's all too much for him. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand when I awake. I'm still with you. He may have actually been thinking not just of when he wakes up in the morning after he's been to sleep, but even possibly when uh, on the morning of the resurrection, when he awakens from death, the Lord is with him, Coram Dio. Even in death, we are Coram Dio. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Coram Dio. Before we were born, Coram Dio. Today, Coram Dio. Before the face of God. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If we know and love the Lord Jesus, then God has embraced us through his Son. And these things, the sum of these thoughts should be exceedingly precious to us. The God who saved us, the God who sent his son into the world is the God who is with us through all the circumstances of life. 
He's with us in tragedy. He's with us when we're facing disease. He's with us when we have an accident. He's with us whatever the circumstance, when loved ones go missing or or things in our life go pear-shaped and we can't figure out what's going on. What's our response? Do we draw near to God in Coram Dio and live before his presence, before his face, draw strength from the encouragement of his promises or do we go into panic mode? Do we hit the panic button? The crucial difference for, for those who will live Coram Dio is to know the Lord. And it's not just knowing the Lord, it's knowing that the Lord knows us. He knows us and he invites us to know him in return. Who knows you the best? Apart from God, my wife knows me best, much better than anyone else, including my family. After nearly 38 years, there's not much Robin doesn't know about me, and she still sticks with me. I'm very pleased with that. It is a very, very precious thing to be known and loved by another human being. A very, very precious thing. How much more, though, to be known and loved by God? Verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These are not the, the words of someone who's arrogant. They're the words of someone who is yearning before the face of God, who's wanting to know God, whose heart's desire is overflowing with God-centred thoughts. If, if there are people around who are God's enemies, then they're David's enemies. If there are people around who are attacking his God, then he's not going to side with those people, he's going to side with God. Because God is with him. Who, who is like God? There's no other human being, no human being can do what God does. Vain is the arm of flesh to save us. Vain is the help of the army or, or the strength of the horse, the, the strength of an army. Nothing can help us other than God. He's our helper. He's our strength. So God wants his children to be confident in their faith, encouraged in his presence in their lives, not fearful or ignorant of him. Coram Deo is the worshipful response of those who know that the Lord knows them and receives them in Christ. Remember the words of R.C. Sproul. To live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. To live in the presence of God is to understand that whatever we're doing and wherever we're doing it, we're acting under the gaze of God. It is a life that is humble and open before God. It is a life in which all that is done is done to the Lord. It is a life lived by principle, not expediency. By humility before God, not defiance. It is a life lived under the tutelage of conscience that is held captive by the word of God. That's the big idea. Next to this idea, all our other goals and ambitions become mere trifles. 
Remember the example of David. We don't know exactly the circumstances that he was facing. He doesn't go into huge detail, but we see his example and he draws near to God. Before the face of God, what about you? What about me? Remember the Lord is with us always. So take heart. If God be for us, who can be against us? Will you join me in praying for God to revive a sense of his holy presence in our lives and to revive a yearning for spiritual conversation that our heart's desire would be to talk about the Lord together? What more wonderful subject could there be than God? Pray that, the, join with me in praying that the Lord will, will in, in Evoke within us, incite and stir up within us a desire to choose to live before his face instead of trying to convince ourselves that we're in control or else trying to hide from him like Adam and Eve. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the greatest need today. We're in the rut of trusting in ourselves and our human understanding, yet your word tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but we do it all the time. We want to serve you, and yet we rush into doing things that we think need to be done, and they may not be your will. We thank you for the reminder in the children's story this morning that we can have plans and aspirations for our life, but you might have other ideas. Will we stop to consult you? Will we seek your face? Will you be Lord in practice in our lives? Will we live coram Deo before your face? Lord, convince us in the depths of our being that nothing is hidden from your sight. That you created us for a purpose and those plans and purposes are for good and not for evil, to give us a future and a hope that despite whatever problems we might presently have, that all things will work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes, that even though we die, yet shall we live, that to be absent from the body is to be present with you. Father, all of these things come back to that one concept of living before your face. Lord, be gracious to us. And bless us, lift up your loving face upon us. Give us your peace. Help us to draw near to you, Father. If there are any here this morning who are facing strain and strife and difficulty, help them to cast their cares upon you in the confidence that you care for them. May this psalm not just be a nice idea, but a way of life for each of us. 
Help us to be like David, a man after your heart, who lived Coram Deo, that even in his sin, he confessed, he knew that he'd sinned against you and you only, because he was living before your face. Teach us to go and do likewise, Lord, not to sin, but to live before your face. To live like Jesus lived, I must do only those things my Father tells me. I do always those things that are on my Father's heart. Teach us, Lord, to live Coram Deo. In your name we pray. Amen.